This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. This is a podcast dedicated to collecting the most unbelievable life experience you've ever had. And I've decided we may have to organize the first ever Greatest Story Ever podcast field trip to Switzerland, where apparently people are dropping gold bars all over the place. Authorities in Switzerland are trying to locate a person who left more than six pounds of gold on a train and apparently haven't missed it yet. Police say the gold, worth almost $200,000, was left in a parcel, I believe that's a package here in the United States, on a train between St. Gallen and Lucerne last October. So this happened last October and the person hasn't missed it. A spokesperson for the public prosecutor's office says that while there is no sign the gold was connected to a crime, authorities decided to appeal to the public after efforts to track down the owner were unsuccessful. Authorities say the owner will have five years to claim the gold. They haven't disclosed how they plan to verify the owner's identity if someone comes forward. If someone comes forward, I would say it's pretty likely a bunch of people are going to come forward. I might come forward for that. You know, maybe this person was just in a hurry. That's happened to all of us at some point when we're traveling. But maybe not quite to the extent of my friend Daniel Horton during a trip to Bangkok, Thailand. Daniel is the co-host of the Storytime at the Rubus podcast, which is an interesting enough story on its own since Daniel and his wife actually one day decided to buy the bus from Bonnaroo in Tennessee. But that's a story for another day. Today, Daniel's on to share a travel nightmare. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Keith. Good to hang out with you today. And you've got uh, a story that's uh, it, it involves international travel. And I think that, you know, has anybody traveled internationally and not had it go sideways on them in some way? It's bound to happen. You're going to have like a passport jump out of your pocket. You're going to have something missing out of your suitcase. You're going to get taken to the wrong hotel or something like that. That's just part of the whole deal, I suppose. Later in the summer, uh, you know, my wife and I are finally taking our honeymoon to uh, to Spain and France and Italy. And uh, I'm sure that's going to go off 100 percent without a hitch. I mean, given the state of things, I don't see why not. Oh, yeah. So you uh, you went to a a place probably a little bit more far flung than uh, than Spain and France and Italy. You were uh, you found yourself in uh, in Thailand. I did. Um, I'll give you a little history on this. It wasn't just a trip for fun completely. I mean, it was very fun. But I was there in part because my wife's family has a history in Thailand. So her grandpa served in the military back in the 60s and the 70s, and he did two tours in Vietnam. The first time he was there, he did the whole Vietnam thing, you know, like you would see in Forrest Gump or the history books. The second time, my wife's grandpa served his country by throwing parties. He was in charge of the officers club in Bangkok. So they lived there for around five or 10 years. I I forget exactly how long. But my wife's mom, my mom-in-law, also lived there as a kid. So she actually did have euthanasia. So she spent her euthanasia. They were there. Yeah, (laughs) they were there in the late 60s and early 70s, I believe. 
So growing up, my wife always heard these stories about things happening in Bangkok and Thailand. And it was just kind of part of her history. So, you know, once we got married and, you know, we kind of settled in, we wanted one of our goals to be to go visit Thailand. So back in 2018, I think it was early that year, we took her mom and we found a cheap flight and we spent uh, almost a week in Bangkok. And I've been back since. Uh, The crazy story I'm going to tell you today happened on our second trip. We had such a good time over there the first time. We're like, whoa, this is amazing. So we talked with some friends and wanted to take a return trip and uh, maybe do some more stuff that you can't necessarily do when your mom is there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you- I, I would bit. imagine in Thailand, there's uh, there's a few things. Yeah. So I also want to tell you this. There is kind of a misperception of Thailand and Bangkok because of you know that silly song, One Night in Bangkok and uh, part two of The Hangover. It can yeah. be like that if you want it to be. But it's also a really cool place because it's such a melting pot of different cultures. It's a little bit of Asia. It's a little bit India. It's a little bit of all the European backpackers that are hanging out there. You can literally walk around one street corner and have like, you know, different food from so many different countries, run into people speaking all different kinds of languages. It really is like just the biggest mixing bowl of all world cultures that you can think of. And yeah, it can be a party too if you want it to be. But it's a place to really go like experience a lot in terms of like, you know, super friendly people, really good and cheap food. I mean, cheap hotels, beautiful beaches. That's what we were there in part for the second time around. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can get into that and tell you what happened the second time if you like. Sure. Great. And this episode brought to you by the Thailand uh, uh, Tourism Board. They're probably dying for that right now. I don't know if they are yet, but once they are, they're going to be begging people to come. Probably. Yeah. So, so what happened on your second trip? All right. So on our second trip, we had a little bit of a backpacker schedule. We spent two nights in Bangkok once we got there. And then we were going to take a super cheap flight from Bangkok down to the little town of Krabi. That's right on the beach. So we, we had a good time the two nights before, you know, weren't entirely sober, woke up, our plane was supposed to leave, I think around, you know, 1 p.m., something like that. No big deal. So we wake up a little later than usual, get ready, and it's about four hours before the plane is supposed to leave. So we hail a cab, pack up. It's about a 45-minute drive to the airport from there. Except when we get there, I look at my boarding pass and I realize we're at the wrong airport. The oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. There, there was, you know, a bit of a language barrier and I wasn't really paying attention or something like that. And there's two main airports in Bangkok and we were taken to the wrong one. So I look at the time and how far away the other one is. And I realize that we have just enough time to make it from one to the other if we can get a cab quickly. So we run out, you know, to where they're picking up and dropping off passengers. I get on the app over there. And which I don't even entirely understand because it's something that's specific to Asia. It's not like you can just hail an Uber here. It's a little different over there. Luckily, we get one. And it's a guy that barely speaks English, but he's, I think he's understanding the predicament that we're in because obviously, why would we be frantically trying to get from one airport to another? Right. So he, yeah. looks, he looks at it. He looks at the location and he floors it out of there. I'm not sure what speed limits they have over there, but I'm sure he was going over it. We have about, 
I don't know, 45 minutes realistically to get from one side of town to the other. And this was on the outskirts of Bangkok where, you know, there is no telling what you're going to see running across the street. I mean, cows, people, naked people, I don't know, all kind of different things. Wow. I, I, I think uh, maybe it does live up to its reputation then. <laughs> it depends on if you're looking for it. Yeah. Right. We go through all this and, you know, traffic's backed up. The dude is almost running out of gas. So he pulls into this weird gas station. I've never seen anything like it. I didn't know it was a gas station. He runs in, runs out, pumps his gas, even brings us a couple of waters because it was a super hot day. Oh, that was nice of him. Yeah, yeah. Still maybe spoke maybe three words of English and we spoke maybe three or four words of Thai. So there was that huge barrier. But we eventually made it. So we got to the other airport with maybe 45 minutes, an hour to spare, and we still have to go through security. We still have to check our bags. It's like that scene in either of the Home Alone movies where they're running through O'Hare Airport. And I was like making sure that I didn't have a kid with one of those little tape recorders behind me, you know. <laughs> and, you know, since since I've never never been to, to Bangkok, I'm assuming that it looks like, you know, the uh, the the airport that Indiana Jones goes to in Temple of Doom, that, you know, changes with chickens and things like that. <laughs> um, it may have been like that recently, but I think they've upgraded a little, but. Oh, man, it was just like that. We had to run through these long corridors with, you know, not that many signs in English trying to figure out where we needed to get to. And we finally get to the gate and they're literally in the middle of boarding. Like we made it with just a hair to spare. It was insane. And that is why you need to do your homework before going on an international trip. You can't necessarily rely on everything going great. But it was worth it, though, because we had a great time down at the beaches after that. And that's a whole nother story altogether I can go into as well. Well, I guess it goes to show you, you know, as especially if you've only lived in, you know, in, in one place, you know, like like the United States, you you aren't going to think of of every other country as as being probably as large as it is because like Bangkok is 8 million people. So it's like twice the size of Chicago. Yeah. So, you know, not only would there be more than one airport, but, but yeah, they'd be pretty far apart and hard to get to. Think Chicago, but with the sprawl of LA, it's huge. It's a lot of different cities and provinces that are mashed together. It stretches, I think like 80 miles from the Gulf to the Northern part and pretty much from east to west as well. So it's easy to forget that there are multiple major airports in a town like that. Like over there in Chicago, where you are, like if you're going somewhere, you go to O'Hare. If you're in Atlanta, you go to you know Hartsville International. You don't think about that if you're in a huge, sprawling town like that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's even two airports here in Chicago. Um, yeah, that's right. But... Uh, yeah, you could probably get from one to the other in about 45 minutes. So it's yeah. it's probably about the same. Now, uh, if you were trying to drive, that would never happen. But you could hop on uh, hop on the L and get there in about eh, 45 minutes or so. Now, that's something um, I would recommend to not do when you're traveling <laughs> internationally is try to drive. Even in a country where they do drive on the same side of the road as you're used to, there's still going right. to be things that you're not used to. Yeah, that that's uh, that's going to be quite an adventure when we we head to Spain in uh, in September. Uh, I'm not sure how that's gonna how that's gonna work out, but I'm I'm you know 
it, it, listen, it's either going to work out great or we're going to have a great story to tell and I can tell it on my own podcast. So tell me, what are you anxious about for your Spanish trip? Do you anticipate any uh, language barriers or other problems like that? Well, I feel like, you know, we're, we're so we're getting on a cruise ship. So obviously we're going to be uh, mostly in, you know, sort of touristy areas where I assume there's going to be at least enough people speaking enough English for us to to get around and do what we need to do. We'll only be in uh, Barcelona for 24 hours, basically. Then we get on a ship that's, um, you know, it's it's from Royal Caribbean and it's usually based in Florida. It's only in Europe because it's it was uh, supposed to be refit. So you would think the crew is actually going to be the same as it would normally be on a regular Royal Caribbean ship. And I, and I've been on those. So I'm not too worried about, about once we're on the ship, it's like the 24 hours we're in Barcelona. And, uh, it just so happens that near the, the cruise terminal, there's a bunch of hotels. So my plan is let's, let's figure out how to get from the airport, uh, to the hotel that's right near the ship. And then don't go anywhere else. That's not within walking distance after that. Oh no. Once we've gotten, you, gotten there, you then we're contrarian advice on that. Um, so my wife and I are lucky to have been all over the place. That's just one of our things, you know, instead of like buying, mm-hmm. you know, a crazy expensive car or something like that, like travel is our thing. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you or anyone else that's doing international travel is to purposefully get lost. Because once you get off of the regular tourist path, you're going to meet the cool people in that area. You're going to find the cool restaurants that you wouldn't have found otherwise. And you're going to see the culture that isn't necessarily, you know, marketed towards the tourists. So when you're in Barcelona, I think you should take a couple hours to just like go the wayward path. I mean, you've got a phone. You can find your way back. Okay. Yeah. So we've got got 24 hours. Just like set a timer and be like, okay, right now we're going to get lost. As long as we're back to the hotel by a certain time and we can actually like get on the ship. I'd say that's a good idea. I got that idea from Anthony Bourdain, um, God rest his soul. That was something that he talked about in his book and would mention frequently on his TV show uh, for the same reasons. Like he didn't want to go to the local famous restaurant or see like all the tourist stuff that everyone else would see. He would purposefully go miles and miles and miles away from his hotel in the middle of nowhere in a country he'd never been to and just wander around. And his favorite thing was meeting people that would invite him into their house for dinner or take him to a place that only the locals would know about. I mean, yeah, he might get into a weird situation like that, but he would find his way back and he would be, you know, better for it, have been more enriched for having that local cultural experience. So probably the the life lesson to take away from uh, from Daniel's uh, crazy day in Bangkok or just crazy trip to Bangkok is uh Purposefully get lost and, and yeah. get away from tourist areas. Now, sometimes you can get into a pickle. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story uh, about how that's okay. So the first trip that we took to Thailand, we had a night's layover in Japan. Uh, I did this on purpose. It, it cost maybe like $20 extra for the different flight. I got to Tokyo about 6 p.m. And then our flight wouldn't leave until 1 p.m. the next day. So enough time to take the train from the airport to the middle of town and just have one night of Japan, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize nothing is in English in Japan. They 
aren't necessarily the best at helping foreigners with that kind of thing. So getting from the train from the airport to the city center was one thing, but taking the local subway was another thing entirely. There are no signs in English. I have no idea where in the world I'm supposed to go because it's like, this must have been where they got the idea for the pipes in Mario that go everywhere because that's how the (laughs) subway system works. (laughs) So I'm walking in a sea of local people, you know, not knowing where I'm supposed to go, like kind of being funneled in one direction that I probably shouldn't have been going. And I, I see the turnstile that I might supposed to, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be going towards. And I see another American guy, or at least I assumed he was, you know, I, I overheard him speaking English, you know, he looks like he's from around here instead of Japanese. So I just look at the guy and I'm like, dude, can you make any sense of this? And he's like, oh, hell no. Do you know what do? We're like, no, we got together and we figured out the local Wi-Fi. And we figured out what train we were supposed to get on. It took about an hour to do that. But that was okay. I made a friend on my travels. And now I have a story of Japan. And we stayed near the famous Scramble Crossing. And that ooh, that was tough to navigate as well. And it got a little scary. But you know what? I'm glad I did it. Because I got the experience of Tokyo. I got a crazy story. Don't even have any scars for it. And, you know, the, the guy you found may not have actually known what... Uh what he was doing any more than you did, but no. hey, we were lost together. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you. moral of the story here is I want you to go get lost in Barcelona. Okay, life lesson from uh, Daniel Horton. Get lost. <laughs> exactly. All right, thanks so much for sharing your story, Daniel. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad to be here. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Google, Podchaser, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It helps new people discover the show, which helps the cavalcade of fascinating tales continue. If you think you can top this or any of the other stories we've had thus far, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're transporting gold bars, for the love of God, be sure to keep an eye on them. Cabotron?